Nerdcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, it's your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today, the fabulous mother of dragons, my mom. Hey, and, and I did mother of dragons today because I'm going to bring something up because I know our topic. Okay. Okay. So today I wanted to talk about parodies and satire. And my my question is, so I wore my Mother of Dragons t-shirt mm-hmm. um, because there are no, and I, I don't see, parodies of Game of Thrones, even though it was so popular. Not on Saturday Night Live, not anywhere. I don't know if that's because they're so uh, protective of the IP, as it were, or that... Um, you don't think Disney's protective of Star Wars? No, but you. But again, I mean, like, you can use, there's a lot of, I mean... You don't see a lot of satire of Star Wars as of late either. Okay. I'm just I mean, saying. The, the, I, and, I, there, there, I, there must be some sort of nerdy model of what makes a good parody. I guess that's my question. Um, well, I mean, like, I don't know if there's a great m- way to describe nerdy parodies. I, first off, I wanted to at least describe to our audience what a parody, spoof, homage, or satire film yep. is. Because there's probably about a billion some odd variations out of here and for mm-hmm. our purposes here I picked out movie I picked out a lot of stuff here I, both movies music TV shows and even anime because I love me some anime oh wow okay I know yeah I, I tried to get the gambit here um, so as I found online I, it's a parody spoof homage or satire is the way we're doing it here is a work is a work of fiction that is created to imitate make fun of and or commentate on an original work this is often done through satirical or ironic imitation. And so what I want to do a little bit further here is I actually want to describe the difference between satire and irony because they get used an awful lot, and I think a lot of people who use it don't fully understand the difference between the two. Okay. Um, so satire is to mock people, is kind of like, is so something that's satirical is mocking people or mocking something for its inherent faults, negativities, or shortcomings. Um, so an example of this might be in Galaxy Quest, mm-hmm. which is a great parody homage movie in and of itself. When the actors uh, get onto the ship for the first time and they realize what they've gotten into, they're recoiled and want to get the hell out of there because they're <laughs> because so so they're trying great scene. They're trying to all get out of there as quickly as they possibly can because they're just like they're in survival. Except but, for Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, and he's just like, ooh, cool. <laughs> But they're just, but they all just want to get out of there because, and they're all like showing how cowardly and how like inept they really are, and that's meant to play up the satire of like they're just actors. Look how horrible these actors are. They're not really heroes on any particular level. Yep. Um, Contrary to that, irony is when someone does or says something, but the opposite effect, but they're either doing the opposite or an opposite effect happens. So a prime example of this might be. you know, you do something with the intention of doing of, of having something as a result, but the opposite kind of happens. And the example I pulled up here um, that I found online was actually when Ariel gives up her voice to get the legs to go visit Eric, but Eric doesn't recognize her without her voice, and so... You know, he, she did, so she he did, falls in love with the sea witch. Yeah, so she, yeah. W- she went through all this trouble to go and get, get to Eric, but Eric doesn't recognize her because he fell in love with the voice. Great example. So that's irony at the end of the day. Okay. Um, so I wanted to just talk about talk about some shows and movies here, which I think are fairly well-known to public discourse, and when you're not aware of them, I'll be more than happy to describe them here, and we'll do a okay. little description of some of these here. Um, 
So the first one, which is one you've actually kind of already, you, a couple of these you've actually seen already, actually, is okay. a part of the podcast. So, uh, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> okay. So the biggest thing about a parody, if it's well done, it makes you laugh when you just think about it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. most parodies are meant to be meant for comic, comical and fun. Um, you can have a lot of satires, which are also very serious satires as well. Um, and I have maybe a couple of them that are here that are... Zom- there are a number of zombie... Now that you say that, there are a number of zombie satires. There have there has been in... in I mean, in, who buys uh, Bill Murray in a zombie movie? Seriously. And again, Zombieland was one of my other ones here as well. Okay. Um, so... Um, so Simon Pegg um, actually did a whole ser- trilogy of parody movies, literally. He did, fu- uh, was that Fuzz? So he did another one called Hot Fuzz, which was a parody of cops of cop uh, movies, basically. Because keep in mind, like, his character is this, like... Now, you didn't make me watch that. You know who made me watch that? John didn't. Oh, John, John's into that whole that whole trilogy. Oh, no, I, it, that does not surprise me. Okay. Um, but no, I like Hot Fuzz. What I found interesting about Hot Fuzz is that it's a police movie... Where like the lead, the mean guy who's supposed to be the action hero is trying everything in his power to just do his job. Yeah. Um, and what was actually kind of interesting about that movie as well is that a number of police officers really liked that movie because it perfectly describes their jobs in a lot of cases of just being like running around, filling out paperwork a lot of the time, and it's not actiony at all. It's a lot of just mundane sort of. Stuff like that, and well, they can appreciate that. It's interesting to me because when you say that, um, my big fat Greek wedding. Okay, yeah. Okay, which was a, a fairly accurate parody of. Well, I don't know if that's parody though. That's just us. That's just us. Okay, so so we're we're Greek Americans. We're, we're um, Greek Americans. I, I as I, much as it poked a lot of fun mm-hmm. at Greeks, Nick, Nick, Nikki, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we know families in which that absolutely takes place. Oh, yeah. We know people with that name, even. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's we, the whole, think, the whole tradition more, that, that you... That, that you, name your, you name your kid after, after yourself. After, after grandfather. It's after, yeah. actually after your grandfather. And oh, okay. so it's all versions. And if of you have that. a large family, the first boy, the first girl are all named after whoever grandfather is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have four sons, you're going to have four Nick, some versions of Nick and, and uh, Nikki. So the thing is... Greeks could have been really offended by that movie and weren't. They loved it. They loved it. If, if anything, they were actually like, they were not accurate enough. You know, I, I, I remember some people that were that in, in my Greek circles were very much like, they, they missed out on so many prime jokes. They did. But I, I mean, I have to tell you, having lived through that, because I am not Greek and married into a Greek family, and when mm-hmm. I, I so identify. Um, with a lot of that. With a lot of it, because you come into it. And um, I spent my whole wedding, because I made my wedding gown, um, with all your great aunts. All of them. There are nine of them. Yes. Okay. Um, all of the great aunts coming to inspect the dress. That was the reception. Was wow. was Was Yaya bringing each of them over, because she, she was more proud than my mother was that I had made my dress and and they were all inspecting the dress that was the thing so I I really identified with with, with that with that movie I I, so. I I love that movie because of the story I have for that movie because um, it was my freshman year of college or my sophomore year of college one of the two mm-hmm. um, and I got a call and was like oh we're gonna fly you up and at this point I was flying up regularly for um, 
because I had jaw surgery. Right. So and so I was flying up. I was flying up semi regularly, like once a month, if not every other week. In some cases, for uh, appointments. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to go up here for an appointment. Yeah, it's, it feels kind of late. So I uh, get to the airport. I fly up to the airport. I fly from Southern California to Northern California. And rather than go to the doctor's office, it's everybody's, everybody we know is in, is <laughs> You're all, in, it, all in the van, all in the family van. And we've driven to a movie theater where everybody I've ever known from church and Greek friends are there as well. We sit down and we watch this movie for two hours. We leave. We go have dinner. At a Greek restaurant. At a Greek restaurant, and then by the time I get back to my, back to my dorm in college, it was like, maybe just right before midnight or something, maybe. Yeah. Um, and like my roommates look at me, is like, weren't you going away for the weekend or a couple days? I was like, you won't believe what I just saw. What'd you see? Saw my life pass right before me, <laughs> and it was funny. Yeah. And they all looked at me. It was like. What you watch? And, watch and, a romance you, comedy. So, so there, there was a flight involved here, um, because because the, you were a ways away. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Southern California versus an hour an hour flight. And it was an hour flight. It's not that bad flight. Not that bad. It's, no, it's no. relatively easy. Um, but so no, yeah. So, so good parody. I think. Oh, I I don't know if it's a parody or maybe it's a little bit of a satire as well because it certainly plays up a yeah. lot of the negative aspects of. Of the Greek kind of culture in some cases, I guess, or at least from that from well, a certain you know, vantage point. Certainly, certainly a, a satire from from the, the fact, fact that he says he's a vegetarian. She says that's okay. We're serving lamb. Mm-hmm. Because they don't know what vegetarian means. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, the other movie in the Cornello trilogy um, is The World's End, which is I guess a uh, I haven't seen The World's End, World's End because it was it didn't seem that interesting to me. Um, it's supposed to be this pub crawl where somehow aliens and conspiracy is kind of like built into it. And I have seen it. Okay, am I am I even close? Or yep. oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it. Um, it would be like if you were searching for Area Fifty Four. Fifty one. Fifty one. Sorry. That's yeah, okay. It's close enough. Um, I think one of our favorite parody movies though was going to be Galaxy Quest. It's my it's my fave. It's a. Uh, that and Tropic Thunder, okay. That, that's on here as well, actually. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, 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 you're good. I mean, we, we will do that occasionally throughout yeah. here. I mean, yeah. there's probably even going to be movies that we have on the list that are not on my list that I'll have to add later. Okay. Um, but no, so again, Galaxy Quest is basically a homage to uh, Star Trek. Um, in, in, and, in, and a very, literal, in a very literal sense, almost. In a very too. literal sense, yes. Um. And so basically, it's the it's Tim Allen is the captain of a was the was a played the captain of a of a TV show that was very loosely based on Star Trek, and him and the rest of the actors that portrayed the crew now go on tour basically to go do these conventions uh, and Galaxy Quest, and, you know, yeah, um, which was the name of the TV show oddly enough, and so yeah. they do all these commercials and they go to do all these. Uh, Reunion sort of you know things and fan conventions, um, and all the and all the actors are kind of just a little disgruntled because they're just like, uh, you know, I, I you know, I, and I and the William Shatner who is the Tim Allen character, the mm-hmm. William Shatner of the whole thing is the only one anybody really wants to see. Yeah, and and he's he's a a drunkard, lazy sort of just living off the the L- residuals. Absolutely, who's. Uh, who's supposed to be the letter Nimoy guy? Um, he's got the weird 
head thing. Alan. Alan. Alan, uh, Alan, Alan Rickman. Yeah. I love Alan Rickman in that movie because he's just like, and it's, he's it's, so over Tim Allen throughout the entire time. And he's just like, enough of this. I was a Shakespearean actor. I had, I had so much, you know, skill and passion. I played and I've you know I've done or all Hamlet. these great a- action. I've done all these great roles and Shakespeare and everything. And I was, and I, this is what I will be remembered for. It's just like, and if you know Alan Rickman, this is such a different character for him. Well, well Alan Rickman's actually had like such a such he's a Sna- he's Snape and he's Snape. He's done. He's an angel in. Um, Oh, that was another dogma. Dogma. dogma Dogma's could, act, one of my favorites too. It could be on a parody. Could, could be a parody as well. Yeah. Um, dogma. It's it, certainly it, satirical. It's very satirical. <laughs> I, I think okay. that would be the lightest way of so, putting so that. So here's here's my warning with with Dogma. If any of you want to go watch it, it's a great movie about God, and 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 um, a pair of fallen angels, basically Michael and and. Uh, is, is, is uh, Affleck Gabriel? Not, anyway, they're, 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 they're the angels of death. One of one of them is the is one of them is like the angel of, of, of death, and the other one is kind of like a this was the speaker for God. Yeah, so that's why I keep thinking that was Gabriel because Gabriel was the speaker for God. Anyway, and mm-hmm. and and Michael's referred to often as the angel of death because he's who else? Yeah, Adam and Eve. I, I teach Sunday school. Um. So so dogma and I'm I'm devoutly Christian. I love the movie and and um, dogma is is a great movie. But I would say thirteen or fourteen and over, um, lots of foul language. But a very interesting take on God in which in which George Carlin is the cardinal. Well, is a, is a, is a very um, I wouldn't call it maybe immoral car- cardinal, but he's oh. a very. Um, what would be the best way? Not even not. Uh, and I would say it's satirical. It pokes a lot of fun. It, 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 it pokes a lot of fun in it, but like in a lot of cases, again, what's kind of interesting about satire is that um, a lot of it is very much in the vein of this is what's out there. Nobody's shirking away from what's actually out there in the text, but we're poking fun at it. Yeah. You know, and so it's so it's a very it's a very. Um, I don't think of, I don't think they many malicious harm in it is probably the best way. to No, phrase but that. but it's 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 very frank in what it's getting to. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and um, I think I think it's an excellent movie. I wish I could show it because I teach ninth grade. I wish I could show it to my Sunday school class, but you can't. No, not not with that language and not with the stuff happening in it. Yeah, like one one of them is literally um, the muse is a is turns out to be is gets introduced as a stripper. Yes, the muse. Um, and and um, and and in the end, God is Al- Alana Morissette. You know, uh, you know, I, and I don't have a problem with that. At the end of the day, nope. I really don't. Nope. Um, the next one I wanted to talk about here because we were kind of going a little rapid fire for this, but it's Sorry. kind of the intention. Okay. Um, Shrek. Oh, that's true. So Shrek is a Shrek is basically satire and parody of. Sleeping Beauty. Well, not just Sleeping Beauty, but pretty much every, um, almost almost every Disney uh, movie from the Golden Age. Every, every princess Age. movie. Every princess movie, every fantasy, you know, Snow White, uh, fairy tale movie. I mean, to the point that the literal that the movie kind of almost literally starts out with all the fairy tale creatures kind of just populating the swamp that Shrek yeah. lives in. Yeah. Um, and playing that throughout the entire bit. I mean, even Princess Fiona is literally like. Pretending like she's like Sleeping Beauty, like waiting for her prince to get there, and yep. 
and again, a lot of irony in that where like you would think like, oh, she's expecting to be kissed, she's waiting, and then Shrek just like grabs her and shows like, wake up. She's like, what? Yeah. Oh, it's a, it, that, I never thought about it in that light, but yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's a lot of movies that end up being like that as well. Um, one of the movies which I won't, I don't really want to call. I know it's a parody, but I don't particularly care for it. Would have been the scary movies because they're trying to send up uh, the horror genre. Well, but, what about Scream? Screams. Well, Scream, well, Scream's an actual Scream's an actual horror movie. Um, scary movies. That's meant not to, a parody. Scary movies meant to parody Scream. Okay, maybe so, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because it's kind of the same mask that they use throughout the entire thing. Now, where in in all of this, where do you throw some of the commercials that also parody, that parody these things? Because there there are commercials that parody. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we can name the, we can live, we can name the longest living commercial if you really wanted to. What's that? Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's true. So many parodies and stuff get done on there that, um, and again, obviously with the, some of these, sometimes the original actors. Well, okay, and you mentioned earlier, um, maybe Disney being protective of Star Wars, but I saw a, a, a very funny parody of Elsa in which, um, let's just say, Kristoff and, and the reindeer, um, Sven, um, have a very unusual relationship, and it, it, it I, I was surprised that. that where, where is this? It's on Saturday Night Live. Okay, well, I mean, I, I'm not saying that Disney. I mean, I'm not saying that Disney has an overly protective nature on it. Um, keep in mind that when you go back in time, a lot of the reason why Walt Disney was able to make Peter Pan, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, a lot of these really old classic fairy tales. Was because the is because they were in public domain at the time. Right, because they were so old. Yeah, they were nobody so old that nobody owned them at that point. Yeah. Um, and on a certain level here, I mean, like you could do parodies of Star Wars and other stuff, but you don't call it that at all. You don't you don't call yeah. it Star Wars. You don't call, you don't call it Little Mermaid. You don't call it lightsabers. You call them laser swords in a lot yeah. of cases or beam sabers. Yeah. Um, because again, the, there's a lot of money in that's copyright that ends up being there. I think they. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of things that, um, like, mind you, I think I have seen some parodies for Game of Thrones. Um, but it's also one of those things that when it's really, really well beloved by a lot of people, it doesn't get a lot of parodies all the time either. Well, I, you know, it, what's interesting about Game of Thrones, I think the things that get parodies are things that are really well beloved. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. There are parody, parodies of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I've seen them, but there's one of them here on my list. Okay, so so they are things that are really well beloved. They're also mm-hmm. things that that have duration, and I'm not sure as as popular as Game of Thrones was, it's disappeared out of anybody. I mean, the most you hear references to it right now. Are the but the actress who plays Sensa is married to one of the Jonas Brothers just had a baby, you know. And you don't hear. You don't hear a lot about it anymore at all, which is kind of. It's, it's sort of van- the minute the finale played out, it sort of vanished from the mindscape, and but, I and I find that interesting because I would think right now would be about the sweet spot for a parody of it somehow, and there's so many ways to parody it. Um, that that could be done without ever referencing the original Game of Thrones, um, and and so I'm surprised it hasn't been done, because there's some some, I think some real good ways it could be done. Not so much that I don't think it can't be done. I I, th- I do think it's absolutely ripe for the opportunity to be done, um, but rather 
A lot of people felt that Game of Thrones ended on a bad note. Right. That a lot of people were very were quite upset with the way um, the story ended in a lot of ways, and so they so I can appreciate that there's a lot of people who have um, because your good queen feelings. ended up being your bad queen. No, not so much that. It's just that um, Jon Snow didn't get a payoff for uh, everything he went through. I, I think part of the problem was that the that Daenerys, uh, Daenerys kind of. Her change didn't feel like it was natural over the course of time. Like, she went, like, Mad King, like, what mm-hmm. felt like very, very quickly rather than um, over what felt like a more prolonged period well, of time. You know, or sort of a- so, so and, I, and I heard that argument, but I would disagree with it because she burned all those people alive in the temple just, you know, like two seasons before. Remember that? True. I mean, I okay. know she so, did she so did that before, but that was more like a. Re- but she did that more out of revenge, not out of malice. Well, okay, but what she what she did there was out of revenge. She lost her her what what was her her girl's name, her 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 translator. Oh yes. Um. Oh, I can't even remember. It's been Great, so long. Grey Worms. Grey Worms love interest as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. So she lost people she loved. She lost people she loved, and I can feel how she would be raged, but. Um, there was, a, I think, there was a lot of a fair opinion that felt that like she felt like she was transitioning to the Mad King, which was kind of always the inevitable sort of thing. Just wasn't kind of in a more naturalistic sort of way it should have happened. A lot of people yeah. felt. Yeah. Um, and again, the series did kind of end. Um, you know, it, the seasons got a lot shorter, and a lot of people were getting a little bit more um, frustrated with the series. I think maybe because yeah. weren't because. It wasn't weren't living up, as much for it. Yeah. It wasn't living up to the potential that it had before either. I think. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of people who really do enjoy Game of Thrones. Um, there have been um, smaller scale Game of Thrones parodies, but nothing on like the grand scale of like Galaxy Quest or things like I that. I think it's so ripe for it. I think. It, I think it is. I think. You know. I, I think. I think it would be very funny to have like a main hero that just like everybody he gets introduced to just dies. All of a sudden, for random random causes and events, right when you need them, um, which is kind of what happens in another movie by Seth MacFarlane, actually, who has done a couple of these now. Um, he did a western here, um, and I'm gonna pull that up here real quick, real quickly. So, um, but he did a western not too not too long ago where he directed. It was his feature debut for a, as a director, um, and basically it was just a parody of. Of what it was basically just a parody of like look how horrible the West was and it wasn't actually this good it was actually really really horrible. Um, there were some westerns though. I, I, a, a million ways to die in the West. I do remember hearing about that. Yeah. So again, it was it was kind of funny because it's like look look the the sheriff has been dead for two weeks he's he's been lying out here in the in the oh now coyote now coyotes are finally dragging him away like there's a billion ways to die out here in the West like. The West wasn't isn't fun or interesting. It's horrible. Well, and 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 Clint Eastwood did a couple of um, after doing spaghetti westerns. Did a couple of, of westerns that he directed that um, that were actually quite um, almost satirical. If you ever watch the Outlaw Josie Wales, um, it's got some interesting characters in it, and it it does not glorify anything. No, no. I mean, satire can often be. Uh, presumed for dark. I think one of my favorite satirical movies of all time is a movie that I actually got to introduce to somebody recently called Death the Smoochie. 
Yeah, the Smoochies, yeah. So it's Robin Williams is a disgraced yeah. child uh, um, child performing star. Or yeah. yeah. It was phrased that wrong. He's, he's not a child, but he was a child. Yeah, he was a child actor. He was a child actor. Child, child, children's, children's performer. Yeah. Um, and so he gets replaced by Edward Norton, who is a very innocent, you know, guy who dresses up as a plush rhino. And it's being just, and it's just mocking this industry the entire way through. Where it's like, where Edward it's a parody like, of Barney. Well, it's a parody of Barney. I think it's also a bit of a parody on Sesame Street as well, um, and other shows that kind of really glorify that kind of that kind of stuff. Definitely Barney, though. Yeah. Um, but still, just love Robin Williams in that movie as Rain, Ram, Rainbow Randolph. Yeah. Uh, so, so are there Rambo parodies? There must be. I, I want to say Tropic Thunder is a Rambo parody, I would imagine. It, well, except Tr- Tropic Thunder is about making the movie. It isn't about... It, I, I see it in it see it some ways in that light, but it, Tropic Thunder pokes fun at all kinds of it things. All it kind pokes, of war movies and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and, and also method actors and... Um, yeah. Because uh, you, have, you have... Well, Tropic Thunder, Tropic Thunder, just, I mean, what can I say about Tom Cruise as a cameo? Not yeah. even credited in the movie, which as the producer at the end. Oh, it wasn't even kind of... Yeah, this is perfect. Yep. Um, so, yeah, no, again, Tropic Thunder is another great example that I had listed on here. Um, we also could probably wrap rope in uh, the entire written collection and performed collection of Monty Python. Okay, and, so we, if we're going to go vintage, you can't leave out Airplane. I'm not, I wasn't going to leave out Airplane because, again, you, you have to include the uh, filmography post-1980 of Mr. Leslie Nielsen. Well, and, and here's so see so, and 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 you what what's the parody on Top Gun? The one with uh, Naked Gun. Charlie Sheen. No. Oh. Um, well, Charlie Sheen's been in a bunch of other ones like that too. A bunch but of that's other parody. parody of Top Gun. Well, I mean, so so. Hot shots. Hot shots. There we go. Because the because when Airplane came out, we'd had a series of um, of tragedy movies like like there was earthquake and there was poseidon which a boat capsizes a, a cruise ship capsizes and they have mm-hmm. to get out and there was and, and towering inferno so it was in response to all those disaster movies, movies. yeah time. yeah um but again what was kind of interesting about ne- leslie nielsen is that i remember him as a comedian but a lot of his movies prior to 1980 before doing airplane and kind of the reason he got the role, for, he did the role for Airplane was he, everything he did was very these police serious. procedurals. Well, he was on a drama. on a show that was I forget what the show was, but he was on a, a police show when it I was, was a p- police procedural show. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of shows like that where and movies where he was in a, in a lot of cases a very serious actor in those roles. And then he did Airplane, and again, what was funny about Airplane is that again, here's this very serious character in this very obviously funny movie at the end of the day. Yeah, and it completely gave him this new breath of a career. And up until, up until he passed away here in two thousand um, in the twenty tens here, like he was still making comedy movies. Yeah, and and cameos in movies, and that's all. I mean, I will forever remember Naked Gun ser- series, uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It, which was a again obviously a spoof on Dracula. Well, okay, and what was the the um, which is also a Mel Brooks movie, the George Hamilton. Um, love it first bite. I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like Leslie Nielsen had a had a wonderful, great career. We can tangent to Mel Brooks movies. 
Yeah. Which is nothing but satire. Yeah. Um, blazing, he, blazing, blazing Saddles. Saddles yeah. Blazing Saddles. Now, okay. Now, I will preface this by saying I watched Blazing Saddles when I was 10 years old. Because my dad said, yeah, you're ready for this. Yeah. And it forever like, changed my impression of the movies. It was just like, wow. What morphed, yeah, towards the end, it, it morphs into just it, it just it silly just, and it, it just completely deconstructs. It just completely falls it comes, apart. It and comes it, off the rail. And, oh, absolutely, yeah. It just completely falls apart. And you're just like, well, I've already been in this movie. Th- I've already been watching this for a hundred, for for the last hour. I have to see where this ends. I just... Just, yeah. just keep going. I don't care. The fight through the Hollywood, through the studio is, I think... With the in, dancers? In catering. Yeah. Where Hitler and some... I think it's Hitler and, like, Moses are, are, are like, having lunch or something together, together. yeah. In the cafeteria. Like, the entire movie was just in... Mind you, it was also kind of the first movie. I mean, and we will, we'll say this probably later on. You couldn't make another movie like that ever again. Well, you couldn't do it now. You couldn't do it now. I don't think it you had, never do it, it had, ever again. Yeah, it had it. It poked. It poked, it poked fun at race. Yeah, in a, in a very serious way. way. Yeah. Um, and again, there's an awful lot of use of the N word too. Yep. Um, mostly by white people. <laughs> yes. And so I don't think you can get away with that anymore. Well, I mean, there's With, the, without without having like a without having good cause for it. Well, there's a scene in which in which there's the they've got a bunch of uh, black and Chinese uh, workers building a railroad, mm-hmm. um, in which the the foreman says, "Well, give us one of those good old camp town songs," and uh, they start singing, "I get no kick from champagne." Ooh. Yeah, and it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, so there's the, and that, there's the irony there. Yeah, yeah, there's there's so so yeah, there's there's uh, some some pretty subtly placed but harsh criticism of of how we perceive. Absolutely, and, yeah. and, and again, like I mean, you can look at that movie, especially again as a comedy, but you can also look at it in a lot of cases at you know the topics that it does address at the kind of at the end of the day, how you are expecting you know these African American people. To just be dumb and stupid, but they have quite a bit of you know cunningness and intelligence and smarts about them, and they're more than capable of just as much of anybody else, if not more so than anybody else in the movie. Yeah. Um, in no, a lot it's, of cases. It, so, so Mel Brooks is an interesting you know, because he made his his living doing satire in one form oh, or another. Oh, absolutely. So so if you move through his his portfolio here, you you have. Young Spaceballs. Doctor, well, I was going to go to Young Dr. Frankenstein. Young Dr. Frankenstein is and the And then Spaceballs. Now, Spaceballs is a parody of, of Star, Star Wars. Wars, yes. And Almost others. literally. Almost literally, yeah. And and, um, and and well done, because you can see exactly where it's going. Mm-hmm. It follows this, It follows almost the exact same structure as, as, as Star Wars A New Hope in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's the, um, the, the fourth, the first, but the fourth. Uh, my favorite scene. My favorite scene in, in almost any movie is still going to be the diner scene, where they're like, "I'll have the special," yeah, or, or, or "I'll have the special," and then it's the, uh, oh, it's the one older actor from Ali- from Aliens, and the chest burster bumps out, burst out of his chest, uh huh, and like, and the alien you know jumps onto the counter, and does the Michigan J Frog out. Yep. And at the very end of it, both both the lead characters there with 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 the top hat and with cane. the top hat and cane, cane. And, and kicking the entire time, time too, yeah. and everyone just kind of like moves their food out of the way, just like oh. And at the very end of it, it's like 
check please. And they never even got their food. Yeah. So it's one of my favorite scenes in any mo- in, in movies because it's just like, because that very end bit there was just like and this really weird shit happened. Okay. Check please. And everybody just accepts it. Yeah. Because that's that's the universe there. Um, again, Young Frankenstein. Yeah. A beautiful movie there. Um, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Yes. Okay, so where do you fit in here, um, Princess Bride? Okay, so I have a, I have a, I'm going to say this and I'm going to seem like a horrible person. I didn't watch a Princess Bride until you took me to the movie theater to watch it. Oh, that's true, because we went and they did a retrospective and, and, and showed it. And then it. re-showed it in the movie theater, yeah. like, maybe like two years which ago is, or so. Which is how you, yeah, which is how you should see it. Yeah, and I was, and I, and I wish they would do that more often with older movies that they re-show it in movie theaters. Because if you told me, hey, we're going to go watch Speed in the movie theater, I'm going to go watch Speed in the movie theater. Speed is an awesome movie to see in a movie theater. Well, okay, so in and and other examples to to watch Play It Again, Sam, or I'm sorry, Casablanca. Casablanca, yes. In the movie theater. Oh, I almost think you have to watch that in a movie theater. It loses yeah, and, a lot and, and, by every, not. and and fan, if you if you um, follow Phantom, um, which they, I they, do, and they do show a lot of stuff. I mean, you, and, there's and, a lot of there's a lot of Japanese movies that especially also get very limited screenings uh, through Phantom as well. Um, so definitely something there to do. So, so in our in our show notes, can we put Phantom as a yes as a resource as a resource? Absolutely. Um, but the Princess Bride, um, I know it's a show up of the swashbuckling action heroes of the past, and it's mm-hmm. certainly very much a parody of some of those elements. I should I don't care for the movie so much at the end of the day. Maybe, and I think mostly it's because I didn't grow up with it. I well, know I know a lot of people who a lot there of there are friends. all sorts of, of of social references to it. Mm-hmm. No, there's a lot. I mean, it gets My referenced name is a lot. Iago. It, yeah, there's a lot of references that get used from it, from the movie outside Prepare of the to movie. Die. Um, yeah, I, I just don't care for the movie so much. Maybe, but that's just me. I think. Okay, and then what is there's a really uh, good rock um, parody that is in that same genre too, and, and but I'm forgetting what it is. Ooh. Um, Oh, oh, um, Spinal Tap is what you're yes, thinking. Yes, this of. is Spinal Tap. Yeah, this is Spinal Tap. Um, I'm gonna name a, uh, I'm gonna name what's certainly a parody movie, but it's actually a real life movie that happened. But it certainly seems parody. Uh huh. The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh. But it it it, it 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 looks like a movie that would seem like a parody of what would act what it. Oh, such excess. Of such excess and debauchery and yeah and drug usage and rampant sex. Oddly enough, though, all almost all of that is kind of true on a certain level. Yeah. That this actually did happen. But um, you're right; it does seem like a parody. It, does, it would seem like it's an, so over the top. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So is that part of a parody? Is that the secret to a parody? It, it takes whatever it's working with and does it over the top? I think it, I think it helps to do it over the top. Um, but, I mean, you can go back and look at movies like Galaxy Quest that didn't go over the top with it at all. I think what they did is they took the elements that were the most appealing to the fans. And as an example, in Galaxy Quest, the things that were the most impactful to the fans... And certainly, like, turned them on their head to make them more interesting. The irony of it. Like, again, I mean, like... Well, okay, so my number one example of that in Galaxy Quest is is at the end where they have to get to the core and turn off 
the um, they have to end the self-destruct self-destruction yeah they have to end the self-destruct mode so so first of all they go through the chompers and why are the chompers there they're only there because they were there in the original show they don't actually serve any purpose yes so they're going through the chompers and 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 it spoofs its fans as well because they get through the chompers by relying on a group of of high schoolers who are, who are such like fans, fans of the show yes and and there's what four or five of them uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like four or five of them in like varying levels of nerdiness looking. Yeah, so but they're such fans of the show that they know the sequence of the chomper. The, the, they know the sequence of the chompers, they know how to get one, through the maze. One, two, one, one, two, one, one, two and, and so they're walking them through these chompers and if you make a false move you die. They they walk so, through this entire like labyrinth sort of like, you know, yeah. thing. Which again when you think about it like this wouldn't be on a ship, this makes no sense. Exactly, but but because it was there, it's there. It's there, yeah. And at one point, they get to see the Omega-13, and they say, it must be awesome. And they're like, what do you mean? And you, they look around, and it's flying around them, and it really is. Amazing and, looking. Yeah. So when they finally get to the self-destruct button, and they could turn it off, they turn it off at like eight, eight seconds or something like that. Like a couple of seconds before it's about to detonate, and it's just a button. Well, and, but but the thing is, they turn, they they hit it, and it doesn't stop, and they're like, "But we hit it. Why is it not stopping? Oh my God, we're going to die!" And then at one, it stops. Yes. Because in any movie you've ever seen, it always ends at like just the harest of seconds. It's always at one. Yes. But again, you take what you again when you look at that though. That's the most. I mean, it's the most kind of interesting part of the movie. It's the most climactic element of the movie, and the fact yeah. that you play it up. I mean, it, it, I think it's the notion of taking these big moments, and even the little stuff that's kind of the most popular stuff about something, and then just taking them to the like the most worst logical extreme you can get. Yep. You know, I think is what really kind of sells it there as well. Um, another one I wanted to mention: Austin Powers. Excellent, excellent, uh, excellent. Mike, Mike Myers as a. Uh, well, then you have the whole the whole Bond pair, the, the Kingsman. Kingsman is also Kingsman as well. That's it's the first one isn't so much a parody. The second one is definitely a parody, parody. Absolutely, yeah. The first first one's more like a homage, I think. Yeah. Because it's very much in the same vein of like, well, how would you recruit the next James Bond? Sure, this is a way you could do it and have this all like society and everything. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. That, that makes perfect logical sense at the end of the day. The second one, definitely a parody. Because I think they kind of got there. It was like, okay, what really worked in the first one? Kind of a lot of the dumb, stupid shit. Let's do a little bit more of that. Um, Except I thought the first one was so much better than the second one. You, 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 I, I like the first one a whole lot more better. A lot yeah. more. It's, it's, yeah. it's just so perfect. Not a fan of Catherine Zeta-Jones anyway. but I like Catherine Zeta-Jones in, in certain roles. Okay, so there's another parody. America's Sweethearts. Yes. Okay. A parody of what's it, what it's like to be Hollywood actors and the and the things you'll do. Well, it's so much as that it's it's a it's a flip it's a ironic sort of flip up of the person who was like the the supporting person ends up being the more interesting popular want to be I want to get with her person. Yep. You know, which is definitely very interesting in that particular. Well, regard. it's a romantic comedy, but it's certainly pokes fun at what actually happens in their lives and mm -hmm. that their lives aren't all that glamorous and, and exciting and make, yeah yeah oh, absolutely yeah so oh, 
had one more on the tip of my tongue and I forgot about it. Sorry. It's okay. There, there's like a billion of them. What? You want to move on to TV shows? Absolutely. So we got TV shows here. Um, the Simpsons is a parody of what? Of, family comedies of '60s, '70s, and '80s family sitcoms. Okay. But I think more so the ones that kind of pregenerate that is probably going to be married with children. I remember watching the first episode, the first couple of episodes of Married with Children and going, oh my God. Just like. Did they just say that? Or they just do that and then they kept doing it. Yeah. Because um, I guess it later spawned Roseanne. Because right. you really couldn't do a show like that unless. You really couldn't do Roseanne and really push the button. But Fox being. Because you got to remember that when Married with Children came out. It was basically like one of Fox's first original programmings that they had. Yeah. And they didn't have a whole lot more after that. Now we know Fox has just this juggernaut of, of a catalog that probably kind of out, out dwarfs NBC and CBS on certain days. Yep. Um, but back in the day when this was first getting aired back in the mid-80s, like 80s. Yeah. Like 80, like early 80s yeah. actually. It was revolutionary for its time. You hadn't seen another major TV channel outside of... NBC, CBS, and ABC yet, um, but to have the Fox, and this was their premiere show that they were showing, they were very much setting the tone of like, yeah, we're going to be the different channel. We're going to be edgy. We're going to be edgy, and that hasn't harmed them on any particular level. No. Um, what I do what I do appreciate, though, is um, uh, the man that played um, Al Bundy, though, um, again, was also a very serious actor before he got into that role. Mm-hmm. Um, when he tried to do movies outside of that role, so he was in a Western where he was the sheriff and he was supposed to be a, a serious character in that movie. Um, so they rise up, so they, they basically take the camera, they rise up from his feet, past the double door, the double double barn doors and up to his face, and then the second they get to his face, the entire audience just burst into laughter. And this was during the testing, this is during one of the screenings for the testing of the movie. Um, the producers and the film writers all came out of that movie were basically like, okay, we have to reshoot all those scenes now. So they had to go back, they had to go back and reshoot all those scenes because they you, couldn't... You couldn't sell him as a serious actor. Anymore, absolutely. And again, that's kind of what happened with Leslie Nielsen, too. I mean, like, you couldn't really see him as a serious actor anymore. I mean, he was only, now he was just in comedies. But again, I mean, yeah. what's certainly interesting is that... Um, Liam Neeson mm-hmm. has had kind of the most opposite effect. He was in a lot more comedies and a lot more lighthearted affair um, prior to. And then he did the kidnap movie. Yeah, and then, and then he did Taken, and then that's all he's done has just been in like these, you know, action movies, one after another after another, where he does all these serious action y sort of stuff. And I'm just like, I'm like. I was disappointed. He's become a one trick pony. And he was such a, a gifted actor. Yeah, well, but again. Just I mean, my take. But I think at a certain point, you can kind of get away with that. I mean, Denzel Washington has done a lot of, like, very interesting roles in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. And lately, he had, I mean, he did the, I mean, the last movies I can remember him in are in The Equalizer, which is kind of almost a cash grab at a certain point. Yeah. Well, I mean, but they, but lots of them do they, it. They sell well. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, and that's always one of the funny things I do find about parody movies is that they do, they do kind of... Especially more recent parody movies, and I think really do aim for the lowest common denominator, but they still do really well. So there's no reason not to go out and do them again. Well, okay, so so in all, okay, so I'm sorry, I'm going to switch switch you back to movies for a second here. 
in all of this, where do you put something like Caddyshack or Animal House? Or they're not, they're... I don't know if they're parodies necessarily. Because, yeah. again, like... Yeah. I mean, if, if you want, if you want to say Caddyshack is a parody of what you would expect yuppie, call uh, yuppie uh, golf club members yeah. might be, um, and then Animal House is kind of that, uh, is kind of the most logical extreme satire of like every worst frat house you've ever heard of. Yeah. Um, but much in the same way, kind of like Revenge of the Geeks is meant to be kind of an ir- ironic take on what happened if Geeks won in college instead. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of are their own thing after a certain after a certain. They point. are, yeah. No, like, I think they are. Yeah, like the joke. It, right. Like they have an initial joke, but the joke ceases to be when the movie kind of overtakes what they were initially trying to parody. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why I don't say. That's kind of why I didn't want to include scary movie as a parody, even though it's very much intended to be a parody. It ceased to almost stop being a parody and kind of morphed into this weird amalgamational sort of thing later on. That's very much. A little nonsensical, but very much is its own thing. Because Scary Movie, the people who did that, have spawned numerous spin-offs of that same type of movie, just in different genres. They've done superheroes, action movies, and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, okay. Well, back to your TV show. So, The Simpsons are a parody of the... The family sitcoms, films, much in yeah. the same vein of Married with Children. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like we mentioned, Saturday Night Live has done just a billion spin-offs over the years. Um, I think, uh, I mean, Parks again, and Rec and- the, the office in Parks and Rec is basically supposed to be a, a park. Uh, the office is meant to be like a documentary style of what it's like to work in an office versus Park and Rec is a very satirical look at what government, how government works at the end of the day and the people that are, that you're trying to serve at the end of the day. And then what was Rockefeller, Rockefeller Plaza? Uh, 30 Rock. 30 Rock. It was I'm very sorry. much a satire of just Saturday Night Live. Which is also just kind of funny because it's a parody of, of, of a, a parody. parody. Yeah, which is a cool meta sense. Um, what's kind of interesting, though, is that um, Seth MacFarlane has another parody out there called The Orville, which is an absolute send-up of Star Trek. Oh, really? Yes, and it's actually very good. Oh, so, um, yeah, so we, so he was a So he's a the captain of a ship called The Orville, which is a transportation ship meant to go on this super long journey that nobody wants to go on. And he was like, so you choose like one of the best and brightest? No, no, we chose the lo- we chose you because you were the lowest in your class. But you're still a captain. And it's very much a satirical take on... It's a, it's a more satirical take on um, Star Trek, I think, at, at the end of the day, but with a lot more comedy, obviously. Um, you obviously have a war if you have a... I think it, it's, it's especially I think of next generation as we're um, Galaxy Quest is very much a send up of Star Trek like the, the original, original series yeah. and, and the early in the first like six movies uh, versus Orville I think is very much a send up off of Star Trek the next generation which which what of which which would have been what Seth MacFarlane grew would have been growing up with yeah his time frame it would have been his time frame more or less yeah. Yeah. Um, although oddly enough, Seth MacFarlane, big fan of Sinatra, and loves to sing old uh, '30s and '40s uh, style uh, bangers like that. Cool. Which is very cool. Um, which gets me to the Big Bang Theory. So it's it's this is a show which is a satire of nerds. It's not a parody. It's a satire, I think. And and when when did Big Bang Theory start? Oh, so it's been on. It, it's 
I remember I remember we telling were, you about it when we were in Guatemala. So that would have been dinner, 2008. Ten, I think 10. We were at so, Bernie's. I could, we were at Bernie's at, at the dining room table. Remember so, that? Yes. And so this would have been... And at that point, it had been on for like three years, too. So yeah. So 2007... So either 2006 or 2007, one of those two. Yeah. Um, I remember being surprised you hadn't really seen it. I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah. But but like but I've been But you were a college student and and or no, you were out of college by then. Yeah, so, so I was out of college at that point. Um but I was also working a lot too. Yeah. So I think that was my excuse. Yeah. Um especially at nighttime and I wasn't watching a lot of T V either, which I don't watch a lot of T V anymore either. Yeah. I binge it, but I mean yeah. I, I um But I, I remember thinking, Oh, you would really like this and, and then... I and I did initially and then I got to a point where I was just like, This isn't um so, so you and John ruined this for me. And because I apologize you, for that. No, that's okay. Because you pointed something out. So, and and ever since then, every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah. Um, but, so it pokes fun at nerds going to Caltech. And, and not, well, not just, not just any type of nerds. These are nerds with all, like... Doctorates, PhDs—they yeah. all have like doctor in their first name, with the exception. Well, the one that isn't graduated from, uh, from MIT, MIT and is in, in an engineering field that's very difficult became an astronaut. These are all yeah. like these are all people that would be looked up to and admired in their individual fields, save that you, that nobody you know really knows about a lot of these fields. And when and they're professors at, at Caltech, but they're not teaching classes; they're doing research. Yeah, they're doing all this amazing research, which has the potential to change a lot of how the world works and how we yeah. think about the world working. Yeah. And they're just looked down onto the entire time. They even they even like poke fun of themselves in horrible ways. I mean like Well, so they're all of these weird neuro, neuro, uh, neuroses. Yeah. And, yeah. And in Sheldon Cooper who then gets his own spin-off of of growing up. Young Sheldon, Young which Sheldon. I think actually does a better job of being Sheldon and then Sheldon. Yeah, I actually don't mind young Sheldon. Yeah, I, I it isn't mean, or, or mean in the same way. It's it's not it's still mean. So yeah, so my, my my always my problem with the Big Bang Theory, and this is probably just me, but I think I, I think I've unfortunately painted your opinion of it as well because of this. Well, no, John has the same problem. Yeah, was that um, was that the show routinely mocked nerds, which I was kind of okay with. But they never made them redeeming on any particular level, and the only time they ever made them redeeming was when they seemed normal, you know. Yeah, and that and was and that was part of when the. When they problem. had they had human problems. They they had human problems, but like, they were never. But I mean, like, they were never redeemed by just being decent people at the end of the day. And in the end, so here's here's the irony. Mm -hmm. In the end, the final episode redeems Sheldon. Oh, you'll have okay. So you're gonna have to spoil me on that. Do you want me to spoil you right now on that? I'm okay with that. I mean, okay. So in the in the end, Sheldon and uh, Amy come up with a theory, and they mm -hmm. win the Nobel Prize. And um, so Sheldon gets to invite some guests, and he invites, of course, um, Howard and and uh, Leonard and Raj yeah, and Raj and Penny. And Penny and and Leonard's wife. Yeah. Any other time I can come up with their name. 
Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. So he he invites them, and Penny is pregnant, but hasn't told anyone yet. Okay. And is morning sick. Only Leonard knows. Mm-hmm. And Sheldon is so afraid that that she's going to breathe on him and get him sick, or breathe on somebody else in the group and get them sick. And so he behaves horribly on the, on the plane. He behaves horribly until he finds out that she's pregnant. So he's getting his his Nobel Prize. And as it's being uh, awarded and he has a chance to speak, he puts down his speech. And instead he talks about um, that he wouldn't have ever been able to get where he got without his family, which is really his friends. And he introduces each of them in the crowd. And when he introduces Howard, he introduces him as an astronaut, which is something that, that he's refused to do up, up till then. that point, yeah. Because in the past, he's always mocked Howard because Howard's the only one without a doctorate. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he gets to Leonard and Penny, he says, the first day that Leonard met Penny, uh, he told me that they were going to make beautiful children together. And now they're going to make beautiful children together. Okay, a little bit. No, actually, the way it's done is very, very sweet. You can find it on YouTube or wherever. Um, but the way it's the way it's done is actually actually redeems Sheldon because my my whole thing the whole time was no no one in real in the real world no one would ever to- tolerate Sheldon no matter how talented he was. Yeah, because I always I always want to assume that he's got some level of Asperger's or sociopathic tendencies. Oh, he's definitely autistic in some form. Yeah, and. And that you would put up with that for such a prolonged period of time, always. He's mean to people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and they're and they're mean to each other, and and I think that's the thing that when it was pointed out to me, and you started seeing it in that light. I mean, there there are episodes that are so funny. There's an episode that mocks Star Trek. Well, there's, well, there's, pl- oh, there's plenty of ones. Well, that... there's one that where they're in the they're they're going to a Star Trek convention and they're all in costume mm-hmm. and they're out on the desert and it looks like a scene right out of Star Trek, yeah, right out of Star Trek. And so they get out of their car for some reason, but they leave the keys in and somebody drives off with it and leaves them all there, and um, and it is hilarious and it is a, a, a you know a mocking scene of of Star Trek. See, see, at the end of the day, I'm okay with them kind of mocking each other. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you do that in, as a nerd, it's like you kind of mock each other, but you don't mean it. You don't mean it maliciously. You mean it right. kind of like, you know, like hey, you're a, you're a weave. You're into you're into you're into anime. You're you're into adult cartoons. It's like, and and you just like it's like yeah, okay, whatever. You know, you can kind of mock people a little bit. But my always problem with the show was that they get the, away with quite a bit with with poor Raj. Oh yeah, no, yeah, Raj. Who, Raj who gets, is Indian and he, gets just the blunt brunt of a lot of that. Yeah, but. But again, and and there's the problem here is that you make fun of a lot of these characters Bernadette. throughout. Bernadette, that's what's her name. Yeah, you make fun of a lot of these characters, but you don't ever show that what they're doing is redeeming on any particular level. Well, it, see, but they were beloved, and here's the. I mean, that's they're very the beloved. That's yes. the interesting thing to me is is Big Bang Theory was a huge hit, mm-hmm. and it ended because first of all, it had run it had run its course. It, you know. Yeah, it, it had gotten they, to they, that point. They got three marriages. The only one wasn't married was poor Raj, um, so it gotten to to three marriages, and and uh, you know, and and Howard and Bernadette had had two children, 
So you even got some of that, and you were going to go ahead and have have Penny and and Howard finally get Leonard have children, but um, there wasn't really a lot of place to take it. Yeah, appreciatively. Yeah, but but the characters were beloved, and Mm -hmm. and as you looked at them, there really was no reason for them to be. You sort of got why Penny appreciated Leonard, um, despite the fact that he you know wasn't particularly good looking and was very nerdy in mm-hmm. a lot of ways but you got that he was a good guy yeah, there was a good yeah like you you understood that Leonard was a good person at the end of the day that like regardless of whatever he was in and whatever his weird quirks were that you know at the end of the day this was a this was a good person and there was not he was not being malicious about anything he was trying to be honest and kind and sweet and you can appreciate it. And there's a lot of there's a lot of redeeming qualities in these characters. I absolutely I can absolutely appreciate, you know, but they what, are mean to each other. They're, they're mean they're mean to each other, but that's but that's not just my only point. My only pro- my one problem with the show is that you had this opportunity to speak for ner- to speak to nerds and you had a chance to shape the course of what a lot of people thought of nerds and what you really doubled down on is Revenge of the Nerds. And rather than you know, then rather than to you know, like in all in all in an example of my perfect episode, if I were ever going to write an episode of this, is that they're all playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. You just have them around a table. You can create lots of stupid banter on that based off whatever they're doing. Yeah. You can make it as realistic or not realistic as possible because Dungeons and Dragons lets you be as serious and not serious about it as you yeah. want. You had I've played. You have plenty of opportunities to make fun over what they're doing and you can make fun of what they're that they have Mountain Dew and Cheetos there and it's like, why do you have Mountain Dew and Cheetos? Like, well, that's that's what you play that's what you that's what you have when you're playing yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Like but isn't the Cheetos get all over the paper and everything and everyone's kinda like Oh yeah. And you had the perfect opportunity for Penny to be the 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 self insert character the foil, that, the the foil, foil that's like completely obtruse to everything that's happening. You can have her just roll ones and twenties the entire time, just roll twenties yeah. naturally, and have her not realize that what she's done has just been the most amazing thing in the world, and yeah. and and then have like Sheldon have to describe, and, and you have to have Sheldon be the DM because I think he has to be the the dungeon master in his because he would be the most neurotic person to have to be it. Because be everything rule, have to be perfect. Everything have to be perfect. He'd be this rule Nazi that everyone else is kind of like. That's. And so I was like, well, you didn't do that on my turn. Shut up, Leonard. You know, you had all this chance to do that, and at the end of the episode, you can have Penny, like, totally not get anything, and kind of like leave in frustration because she doesn't get it, and it's weird. And then you can have her come back the very next. You know, you can have her like you can fade to black, and then you can have her come back. You know, next. You know, at the very end of the episode, where you have that little like. Sting your little epic yeah. little moment there and be like, um, hey, can I, you guys playing Dungeons and Dragons this week? It's like, yeah, I think we're playing it on Friday. Um, I'll, I'll bring them out and do. And you can just have that yeah. light sort of moment where, like, yeah, a person who doesn't get it found something kind of interesting and wanted to come back and play again. Or, you well, can I mean, have... okay, so my favorite episode in that vein mm-hmm. is the episode where she gets hooked on playing one of the single shooter games or something like that. Okay. And um, and she becomes neurotic about playing. Yeah, it's a good episode. But, but she becomes neurotic about it. That's I mean that shows the other kind of. It, she becomes obsessed. Yes, 
and and, and, and uh, one of my favorite episodes is actually them where they're all playing um, Star Wars: The Old Republic, which is an MMO, um, MMO that I played, mm-hmm. and so I was able to w- kind of watch them play it. And they're not playing it correctly, but they're all having the conversations that you might have as a group of people playing together, especially people who are not that interested. Like, as at one point, like the girls are very interested in the costumes that they're wearing. Yeah, which was not uncommon when you first played it. You were kind of yeah. like interested in what it was you were pretty wearing. Cool. Yeah, yeah, um, and like you can totally, I can totally see that it was very realistic to that to that vein, um, even down to kind of some of the little petty stuff in it. That episode I appreciate because it was very close to the to kind of what the source material would be. It's just that at no point does the show ever actually kind of point out the fact that yeah, they're they're doing weird kind of stuff, but like if you look at it in the right light, you know, f- focusing on football and wearing other people's jerseys you, all the time. You're cosplaying as them. When, okay, that's when you, true. When you wear a, when you wear a Michael Jordan jersey, you're trying to cosplay as Michael Jordan. When you wear a football jersey, you're trying to cosplay as, you know, wh- Joe Namath. Joe Maymouth or you know or Joe Montana or whoever it is. Yeah. You know, like you're not do you know and and if you play fantasy football, like that's really weird. On a certain level, that's a level. That's I mean, like to be able to kind of ramble off. These obscure numbers and information—that's kind of weird too. It's well, just that it's more... actually, see, fantasy football to me is very nerdy because yes. it's not the game; it's the statistics. Yes, and and in much the same way, like a lot of baseball fans are all about the statistics. Well, you got Moneyball. Well, yeah, I mean. Okay, so so let's back up here to Big Bang Theory, and I'm okay. going to tell you what really ruined it for me. Your thing was that they were always mean. John's thing was was if you have friends you want them to be supportive and the issue here really is they're not supportive as friends yeah. they're not supportive and um they, they, they were they were really easily not to be relied upon well and and they and sabotage each other and a number of other things mm-hmm. and um and he's, he said you know to have a roommate that was the, that not supportive and that that really sort of against you because there's there's this there's an episode in which um you know sheldon gets brought up on on charges for um uh, sexual harassment Mm -hmm. of a girl who's working for him and um and he brings them all into it he rats them out as a way of getting himself off the hook it doesn't get him off the hook it just just gets everyone else in trouble trouble. too yeah yeah but um you know john john's point was was as friends they're horrible friends Mm-hmm. And then I started watching. It just watching, doesn't seem realistic at that point anymore. Yeah, and then I started watching the episodes and going, "Oh, geez, they really are horrible." Yeah, friends. that's a that's a good point. I mean, no, and, you... yeah, and and that then that ruined it for me. Oh, that's okay. Well, let's move on to um, probably the one of the best parodies that you never thought of before, but it's absolutely a parody. Mm-hmm. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so you you if you remember MTV back in the day when they actually showed music videos, which is mm-hmm. I hope they do one of these days, which is okay. So they created so music so MTV eventually spawned MTV Two, which was where they were going to show all the music videos at because they started showing a lot more programming on MTV, yeah. a lot more original programming. Right. And somehow MTV Two just became where they showed all the reruns for the original programming. And eventually they had to start an MTV3 that just became the Spanish version of the music videos that still actually do, and then all their other content. 
like if MTV could just play music videos, but I don't think people make a lot. Of, there's not. There's actually still a fair amount of music videos that still get made. Yeah. So which is yeah. kind of which is still kind of interesting, in the sense it's just that they're all now on YouTube. Yeah, that's how you sell your. That's how you sell your brand now. Well, uh, but, but, okay. So I'm not buying CDs. I'm buying buying music on Apple yeah. on iTunes. And I'm watching a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, again, YouTube Music lets you YouTube Red and YouTube Music just lets you watch it. Okay. Um. So, but no, yeah. If you were back in the day, Weird Al. So Weird Al Yankovic does parodies of fa- of popular songs. Um, Name is most famous. Huh? I want to see what is you. What, what, what is, is my most famous, or what? Or what is my favorite, or what is the what I think the most famous is? Wait, what is the one you think is most famous? Um, Eat it. Uh, I no no. I actually think the follow up one to that, um, Fat. Oh. So so eat it. So eat it is is a parody of Michael Jackson's Jackson's beat it. It. Um, but fat is a parody of, um, I'm bad. Yeah. Um, and I think fat is a little bit more famously well known because the music, because the music, because the music video really sold it. Have you seen the music video? Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. I have somewhere it's in this really DVD. Well done. Somewhere in here, I have a DVD collection of all of Weird Al Yankovic's music videos. So when do you think he started doing that? Um, so he started doing that in the seventies. I was going to say. So so most people think he was an eighties phenomenon, and no, he was. He, I remember Ayatollah, which was to the tune of My Sharona, which was mm-hmm. would have been seventy. Um, 77? So he started uh he started 30. doing uh, parodies. The most famous one that he did was that he did. Um, he was getting, he, he plays the accordion, which is not common to begin with. But then he right. does parody music. He was on a short-lived like little um, Saturday morning um, like public access channel thing, and he played another one wides the bus, which was a parody of another one bites the dust. dust. Yeah, and another his and, and his friend who was a drummer was literally playing. The drums, or was playing the backbeat on the accordion case in the background, and that was kind of his first real like big hit. Was you know, um, another one rides the bus, and another one gets on, and another one gets on, another one gets on the bus. Um, but again, like he's had like so many famous. Um, again, I like Fat mostly of all as well because Michael Jackson basically told him, "Hey, this is where I shot." The, where, this is where I shot the music video at so you can be as accurate as physically possible to the original video um, but he's done a, but again like all of his videos are like basically like short movies like they didn't he does not just have like himself singing it. no and he's he's there with all of this giant amazing curly hair yeah he had this amazing he is himself he had this amazing afro for a very long, long time, time that he never got rid of with this classic 80s mustache and, Star I mustache. and I don't think it was until the late 90s when he started, um, um, when he did the parody of uh, American Pie. Yeah. Um, uh, this here Anakin guy. Yeah. Where he finally, I think, just let his hair grow out a little bit longer and got rid of the mustache. But he's been, but but here's the other thing as well, is he doesn't just get the original backing track uh, for it. He actually redoes the entire music. Well, people, people cooperate with him. Oh, yeah, no, again, it's a... It's a big honor to get um, to have your song be parodied by by him. Yeah. Um, and one of the one of my favorite things about Weird Al, which almost never gets known about him, is that um, at the in in the middle of his albums, or sometimes at the very end of his albums, 
he does this melody of of songs all at once in the style of polka. Oh, that's cute. So he does all the, so he does all these because like, he's got the accordion. Well, he's got the accordion and he's got the band, and so he does like this montage. I guess is the best way to probably put it of all these famous songs of this particular generation of this particular period that he's been that he releases the album in, um, and they're all done through this constant polka sort of uh, sort of melody. And so he's singing, he does all the the chorus lines and all the big, big, you know, name moments of all these songs, you know, for, and each one only has like, maybe like, it's like, it's like a four or five minute song that everyone's got like their own, like little yeah. 10, 15 seconds here of where it comes in and it's just long and it's all done in polka style. And some of these songs I just want to hear again, because like they're, it's kind of cool to hear like a cover of a polka of like Lady Gaga on polka. It would be interesting, Taylor Swift. He's he's so that's the other thing too is that he actually, um, in order to do these parodies, obviously he gets he doesn't necessarily need the rights to them to do it because they're parodies. They're covered right. by, and, and that's something I want to discuss here in just a second is actually copyright law because that's kind of interesting too. Well, so so as we were talking about about parodies, one of one of my favorites, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. is. Um, uh, so let's see if I can find it. I'm, okay, so let me get. Uh, there's a uh, um, somebody, a pair of drag queens, did a parody for the AIDS ride. Uh, uh, for age life cycle of a Taylor Swift song, um, and and one of the one of the best uh, lines in it is, uh, it, it she they did I ride for AIDS. Um, and um, and one of the the lines in it is, um, uh, please Taylor Swift, we're do gooders, um, don't sue us. We referenced you in the footers. Please Taylor Swift, we're do gooders, don't sue us. We're you know we referenced you in the footers. <laughs> um, and uh, and 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 it and it's hilarious. You know, so there's there's uh, it's. Uh, I was trying to see if I could find their name on here, but I I don't um, see it. Get your ass to San Francisco. I think it's called Drag Me, Drag Me, maybe. Because I'm looking up on AIDS Life Cycle's website right now. They have a Drag Me to AIDS Life Cycle. It might be. It might. Be. Well, that might be one of the events because they're the drag community. Sister Roma and Sister Bur- Burons. Or... Well, the deal. The deal. No, and these are these are two other people because oh, okay. um, uh, the the um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are. Um, <laughs> Which is a great name. It is a great name. I have pictures of myself surrounded. Literally holding hands with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I've seen you with that picture before, I think. Yeah. So um, so they are actually big big supporters. And on day one, they um, hand out strawberries um, at the end of Devil's Slide, which is Devil's Slide's a really hard climb and, and windy get through. Mm-hmm. And so as you're leaving Devil's Slide and it begins downhill, they're handing you strawberries on your bike. Mm. Um, and they're out there in their full garb, and then they come for our last night in Ventura. Uh-huh. Um, they come all in, all in all their makeup and their their uh, costumes. Splendor. Yeah, all in all their splendor, um, and they share the the candlelight vigil 
with us. So the drag community is huge in AIDS life cycle because, of course, they've lost so many to AIDS. And, yeah. and so Rest Stop, Rest Stop 4 is um, run by uh, a group out of Miami that's there with us the entire ride. They're there every day. Mm -hmm. They are Rest Stop 4. And, and by, by the time you get to Rest Stop 4, you've ridden 70, 80 miles. Yes. And so it's the last rest stop of the day. And... Um, it's a big thing to get to that because once you get to that you've got five seven ten miles left and yeah so you're almost done for the day so it's it's sort of your 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 carrot get to, uh. get to rest stop four because they're in drag every day um in some in some sort of some sort of thing crazy thing that they've figured out oh yeah now i've seen them dressed as little bo peep um i've seen them dressed as the 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 book of four men as opposed to the book of mormon mm. um uh, they've they've uh, been uh, share the road, which was they all came as share. Um, so I like that one. Yeah, and and there's one day um, on a mission on a mission grounds um, where they do a whole floor show for us. Nice. Jim and the holograms. Oh. They've done quinceañeras. Quinceañera <laughs> was my favorite. So quinceañera's got to be got to be a lot of fun. I would. Oh, imagine. they have they had a girl speaking in Spanish, who's very politely thanking everybody and. The other one in in English going, yeah, no, like like my parents said, like if I get a C, they'll buy me a car, like like an '89 Silica. <laughs> um, so, so no, it's huge. Um, so they're 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 a parody all all of themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. So, um, Weird Al again, kind of talking about copyright a little bit. Uh, Weird Al has. It's, so there's a provision in the copyright law that says that fair and equal use of, mm -hmm. of something um, with the intention of being, and especially um, you see this a lot on uh, YouTube with fair and equal use, um, is that you can show an element of something if your intent is to comment on it or use it as some sort of uh, metaphor or some sort of relation to what you're actually doing. So if like, you intend on reviewing something and you, and you have to kind of show what's happening in the movie or what's happening actually happening in in there you can use publicly released footage of it to actually you know show it off you know mm -hmm. and it's fair use to use it at that point because they've publicly released it and so that's it's in kind the of, public domain it's in it's somewhat in the public domain at that point even though a company might physically own it it's okay to use it because it's fair use at that point because you're not talking because you're not showing it with the intent of using the material to entertain somebody you're using it for the intent of commenting or using it as a way to comment on something else okay so i mean so that's how you get a lot that's how you can kind of get away with um companies you know especially in like youtube as an example doing movie reviews but still talk but still having in the background as b-roll the actual elements of that movie or scenes from the movie in some cases because it's trailers not, trailers trailer elements yeah. or parts of the movie that might come up that have been now are on dvd and for that you can digitally download um, as a way of showing element, but you're not using it to entertain somebody with you're using it as a way of commenting on it. Okay. So that's kind of how a lot of parody stuff gets done. Um, so you don't actually need the uh, expressed approval to do that kind of stuff. But in the case of Weird Al, Weird Al personally goes and, and goes and asks people um, for for the rights, if it's okay to make a parody, and he lets them know what the parody is. Yeah. Um, and there's been people beforehand which have said no to it before. Um, the most, uh, one of the more famous ones was actually, 
uh, Coolio's Gangster Paradise, which got turned into Weird Al's Amish Paradise. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, now I have to go look that up. Oh, I will, I will, I will link it here. It's, okay. it's amazing. Um, because it does almost, it's, it's, it's perfect for Weird Al too. Um, but throughout the, but Weird Al originally had been told that he had received permission from, uh, the record company and that Coolio had agreed to it originally. And that's why he did the, did the song. Um, and then Coolio was actually very upset that he had done that because he didn't want, because he felt the song was very personal and wasn't something to be made fun of at all. And so there was a lot, so Coolio was very upset about it and Weird Al very much made a point of saying, I'm very sorry about that. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. My com- I my people had told me it was okay. So I'm yeah. very sorry about that. Yeah. Um, and he's actually more recently here um, in the t- mid 2000s um, asked to do a parody version of Stan from Eminem, which is very much a where Eminem basically raps about a letter that letters that he's received from a guy named Stan who apparently might have killed killed other, suicide, committing yeah. suicide and taken his girlfriend with him. Yeah. Um, as a result, and that, um, and that that was a very personal story that he didn't want to didn't want that to be made fun of at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, although, admittingly, Eminem has also done parodies of his own, of of himself and other things as well. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, the it does it has no bounds to it at all. Um, and so the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about was again stepping into my weird domain a little bit was anime. Yeah. So, because again, I mean, what what I find interesting is that a Japanese take on a on what American stuff is, as a parody on a certain level, um, is kind of interesting. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is probably the, probably the more famous one here is known as One Punch Man. And so One Punch Man's a uh, big deal here. At the end of the day, is that um, there's an entire superhero world around him, and villains are coming out all around him. Um, yet he can beat anybody in one single punch. Really? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like he is, he is so fast. He is so strong. He's so agile. You know, you could blow, try to blow him up, and he would dodge out of the way. All he needs is just a single punch. And what he's absolutely upset about is that everything that he he can't do anything more than just a single punch because he's so strong. That so he never gets into a real fight. Well, it's not that he never gets into a real fight. It's that, like, all these obscure monsters they literally trounce every other hero that comes by to save him. Every other hero has some level of difficulty trying to beat up the boss or gets yeah. badly hurt and broken along the way. And yet he just kind of shows up randomly and is able to, you know, with just one punch, is able to beat the monster to absolute submission or, or blow it away, holes and chunks out of him. Yeah. And he actually is not famous on any particular level because everyone thinks that, like, oh, everyone else must have uh, really weakened the monster beforehand, and he just gave him one really good punch, and that's all he... And so he everyone else is the hero. Yeah, yeah. The, he just finished him off. But all, all the other heroes did all the hard work, and never mind the fact that the other heroes are not actually doing anything at all to the, to the monster or the bad guy. It's all just Saitama, punch, yeah. who's the one-punch man. And then, again, that's very much meant to be as a parody of, like... Super of American superheroes because they're all yeah. very much super super American ones. Yeah. Um, another one I wanted to mention was a show that you can actually watch on YouTube. I don't know which Japanese name, but it's called Cute High Earth Defense Club Love. Um, it's a send up off of Sailor Moon, but what if everybody was guys? 
Oh, instead of girls. Yes. Oh, that's it. So, so who who plays the the uh, masked? I I have not actually watched the series because it looks it is it is one of those things where it's like this is kind of outside of my wheelhouse typically. Okay. So. Um, okay. Not one of those ones I've watched, but it's very much a parody of that in every sort tuxedo, of tuxedo, tuxedo mask, or tuxedo, tuxedo ball gown maybe, or or, or, yeah. or ball gown something, ball yeah. gown mask. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent certain, but but all the guys wear like suits of some sort of level, and like they all have different variation on their jackets and pants, but they're all like they're all pristine white, and then sometimes their undershirts are like pink or light blue or green, and like very feminine looking colors. Um, it's very funny. The the main hero has a wand. Again, it's very much a send up of Sailor. You don't think of guys with wands, you know? No, admittingly, not usually. Yeah. Um, the other one, which is super weird and hard to describe this year, is a series called Gintama. Um, so the best way to describe this here is that um, in at the end of the eighteenth at the end of the eighteenth century nineteenth uh, century. Before we got into the 20th century, um, so like early 1900s here, um, Earth was invaded by aliens and Earth lost. But the aliens didn't take over the Earth, they just moved in. So they just moved in and technology is like weirdly hyper, hyper, hyper um, technology, but like Everybody still lives kind of like 1920s Japan kind of style, oh. but with a lot more like more, but with a lot more modern stuff. Like there's a there's not a lot of there's some cars that are seen, but not common. Um, there's a lot of dirt roads. There's a lot of it's a parody in the sense that it takes a lot of stuff that are not that you would think for a historical piece wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, and the story itself, when you think about it, is actually very serious. But the but they almost never take it. They almost never take themselves seriously on any particular level. They're they are cracking puns and jokes constantly. Um, the the show is primarily about a guy named um, uh, about Gin about a guy named Gin uh, Saitama. I want to say his name is, but uh, Satoki or something like that. Um, and he is the he was a part of a band of four guys. Um, who were trying to defeat the aliens before they could conquer Earth. Um, and they had captured their their teacher, um, and in the process, they executed... Uh, um, in order to basically stop the war here, or for these guys to stop their fighting and rebelling, um, basically was to... They, they said, if you don't cut off your master's head, that we're going to kill all of you anyways. The master was like, you know, Gin, I need you to do it, because you're the strongest... To, you're the most bravest of all of us, even though he wasn't. Um, and so all four, so all four of these guys are kind of split to the winds here now. Uh, one of them is just a is a perverted merchant. Uh, one of them is still actually carrying on the cause. Um, another one, but the other two are also carrying on the cause, but through different means. One of them is trying to do, um, trying to do it from a somewhat peaceful perspective. Okay. Um, not trying to do a lot of harm. While the other one's just like, no, we got to burn the entire world down. They killed, they killed our, they killed our teacher. Um, and Gin is haunted by the memories, but acts dumb, aloof, and stupid in a vain attempt to try to distance himself as far as he can because it's really painful for him. 
Well, he had to do the... He had to do the deed. Um, yeah. And the story actually has a lot of cool action beats, but it's very, very silly throughout the entire thing. And so it plays up a lot of homages to Gundam, Playboy Bunny, like all sorts of stuff throughout the entire time. Because the Japanese are big into the Playboy Bunny. Well, well the Japanese are, I mean, Japanese are kind of cool whenever you kind of make fun of other stuff in a lot of cases. Yeah. As long as you're not outright referencing them um, and you're not being malicious about it, like they're pretty okay with it. But, but I mean, they're into their bunny girls. They do enjoy their bunny girls quite a bit. And their maids. Yeah. Yeah, and they're made. Yeah, I mean, like this. Again, they they thought we were they thought we knew what we were doing. We were just like, hey, we thought this was cool too. Yeah. Um, the other one here is probably a little bit more older series. It's called Magical Shopping Arcade, Abanobashi. Okay. Um, so remember the um, malls that we kind of were in Japan? Yeah, the outdoor. They, they were sort of between these covered all yeah. outdoor malls or things. Yeah. Um, well, again, they're they're practically everywhere in Japan, which is awesome. Yeah, and they're and they're basically they're they're outdoors in the in that they're not they're not walled off at the ends. No, you can. They, but they're basically covered, glass, covered glass markets, domes, yeah. mostly glass domes, um, plexiglass sort of things um, over two and and three story buildings. Yeah, in a lot of cases, and, like the first story is there would be streets. Yeah, and so like the first story is usually but no like the no business, cars, no traffic. Yeah, no, yeah, the first story would usually be the business, and then the second floor might be a, another tangential business or. Also, even residents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like when we went to, um, uh, we saw the carts being raced uh, as well. Yeah. That was, that had apartments on the second floor, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. Um, but we were in like other parts of uh, of uh, Osaka. They, they were very much just other buildings. Right. Yeah. Because when we went and did the um, Samurai experience. experience. Yeah, yeah. That was basically just owned that apartment. They just owned that building portion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, basically what happens in this show here is that two kids who live in the market somehow get magically transported to alternate worlds that are based off of various other anime um, and genres mm-hmm. and have to kind of get through them. And they're all, again, taken to a very unnatural, logical extreme. So that's okay. very much a parody show. Um, a more recent one here is called Konosuba, which is absolutely hilarious, and you should watch it if you have the chance to on Crunchyroll. Um, it is a send-up of your typical fantasy show, um, your classic MMO, and your what we call an isekai, which is an, an in-another-world anime. Okay, so when you're talking about a fantasy show, are you talking like Fantasy Island sort of thing? or I'm talking like wizards, swords, and okay, sorcery sort okay. of. I guess, yeah, so more like swords and sorcery sort of elements. Okay. Um, so an isekai is basically this notion that somebody gets transported to um, another world. It often happens. The, the way this story happens here is that um, this guy dies um, in the process of coming home with a new video game because he was trying to save somebody uh, from a car he thought was rushing at her to come and kill her. Um, what ended up happening was is that he overexerted himself and leaped out to try to save a girl but didn't actually ever save her because he missed entirely and the girl wasn't about to get run over by a car, which is a very slow-moving uh, tractor. Oh, okay. That was coming by. So she was never, never actually in in danger at all. Um, uh, upon death, he, he gets to kind of uh, this void where he's told by an by an angel that um, I'll give you, um, I will resurrect you um, and bring you back to life if you defeat the demon king in this other alternate, parallel, different world, world that's all yeah. sword, swords and sorcery. And I'll give you, um, I'll, I'll give you a superpower to do it too. But you can, and so you can pick. 
any superpower you want. Um, however, the angel um, is uh, uh, very uh, rude about it because she giggles, she's, she's laughing hysterically at the fact of how he died. Um, and she's not treating this very seriously at all. Um, and so eventually uh, our hero decides, you know, my superpower, I want it to be you, the angel. And so, uh, or the goddess, I guess, in this way, is uh -huh. the correct term. Um, and so fate basically decides, yeah, that sounds fair. And she starts to get summoned to this other world. She's like, no, 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 that's, I'm not, I'm not a part of the deal. You can't, you can't take me. And so another angel comes back and is like, don't worry, when you get back from defeating the Demon King, we'll be able to give you back your spot. And she's just like not having it because she's a goddess. She wasn't supposed to be there. No, she wasn't supposed she to have She needed it. to word the terms of the deal better. Yeah. Um, and so the entire series is kind of just a send up because she's absolutely useless. Like, she is beyond useless. They eventually get a mage who knows one spell, and that spell is Explosion. And upon casting Explosion, she uses all of her mana and energy and has to be carried back home. So she likes so every day she goes to the this obscure uh, castle, casts Explosion on it to destroy part of it, and then leaves. Or has the hero literally have to carry her back home because she's so worn out from casting that one explosion spell. Um, my favorite character, though, is a character named Darkness, who is a, a paladin, who is a, a defending type of character. Mm -hmm. um, but she's a masochist and likes to get off on getting hurt. Ooh. So that's why she, so that's why she's a tank. Physically. It, well, um, not a tank physically, but she, uh, in the kinks, in, in the take, in the case of uh, an MMO, you have, like, tanks, healers, and DPS. Okay. And the tank's the person that takes all the damage so that the DPS can kind of take down the boss and the healer can heal the tank and other people as necessary. Yeah. Um, so it's basically like waving... It's like basically waving around a really big flag and having, a, you know, a bear chase you while everyone else tries to take pot shots at the bear. Okay. Um, uh, but it, so it's, a, it's got a lot of MMO elements to it at the end of the day. as a lot of isekais... Um, and light novels do. Uh -huh. um, so in that particular respect, it's very, very funny. It's very much a parody of those kind of worlds. Um, the last one here is kind of going to be very strange for me to kind of describe here because. Oh, the last one was pretty strange to describe. Oh no, no, this, this one, this will be, this one will be hard for me to describe because okay. it's. Without. <laughs> I know, I know. Because just the name is going to is going to is going to I'm just going to watch your eyebrows and see what happens okay. with the title here. Okay. So the next one is called Panty and Stocking with Garter Belt. <laughs> See, 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 I wasn't wrong. Okay. Okay. It sounds X-rated. It's not act. It, it, okay. All right, so how best do I describe this? So, Panty and Stocking are angels that have been kicked out of heaven because they're not good at being they're angels. They're naughty angels, yeah. Well, they're naughty, they're naughty angels, but they're also just, like, lazy. Oh, okay. They don't, they don't, they're not doing their jobs very well. They're very deviant as well. And so the intention is that Who's, who's Garter Belt? Is a priest. Oh. It, not just any priest, it's a African-American with a big Afro priest. Um, uh, with a big Afro priest at the end of the day. Okay. Um, and so the notion here is that uh, the angels have to defeat demons that are on earth in order to, way to, in order to buy themselves, buy their way back up to heaven. But they don't care to do that because they're lazy. So uh, Panty... 
um, is a very uh, horny girl who just is sex crazed about um, about guys and trying to have sex with as many people as possible. Uh, Stalking is a gothic Lolita, uh, which is a all kind of Lolita kind of dress style. Yeah. Kind of like an old-fashioned doll, I guess is the best way to yeah. put it. And uh, she just wants to eat sweets and cake. Um, the way that they fight is that... Um, and, I, and I apologize for trying to describe this the best way I can, because I know you're gonna, cause I know it's going to be weird. Okay. Um, uh, panty takes off her panties and it turns into a magical handgun. So then she's 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 going commando down down there. Yeah, I mean, okay. it, it, literally the transformation scene is them being like on a stripper pole, dancing around on it. So they're all drawn in this very kind of childish chibi form, and they grow up to be adults. They do this like. Pull that sort of thing, and it is yeah. very seductive. Where Pandy takes off her panties, and Stocking takes off one of her knee-high length stockings. For her stockings, they turn into they her stockings turn into katanas. For Pandy, they turn into a handgun. Then what is she wearing? She's not wearing anything, and it's not sh- it's not showing at all ever. So it's not explicit. It's not explicit on any bigger level. It's just very very suggestive. Okay. Um, and they use the and they use their magical angelic weapons to la- their angelic lingerie weapons to defeat these demons that are on Earth. I I just never thought of angelic lingerie, <laughs> even though Victoria Victoria has, has the angels collection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what this is a parody of is this is a parody on American adult animation in the vein of Family Guy, American Dad, really? South Park. Yes, that's what they're parodying. That's interesting. Yes. It, okay. it's, it's um It's done by a studio named Gynax, which is known for doing a lot of weird shows at the end of the day. Um, they they do what they did one of my favorite weird shows in the world, which was Evangelion. Yeah. So they're known for doing a lot of weird stuff in the day. And they've since... A lot of the people that were doing all of that weird stuff at the end of the day uh, eventually made their own studio because Gynax was not really giving them the ability to go do their weird, weird stuff. Okay. Um, what's kind of funny is that they came up with this. Um, so they finished a series called um, Oh, I can't remember. Gurren Lagan. So they finished a series called Gurren Lagan, which was also very silly. Um, at the end of the day, a little silly as well, but not necessarily a parody of anything. Okay. Um, so they all went. They all went to um, a Japanese inn as a, 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 an onsen. They all went to an onsen mm-hmm. and. They were just batting around ideas like, "Hey, I want to do this next time, and let let's do this." And they came up with this joke of the of, of the tagline of two characters being panty and stockings. They thought that was funny. It is funny, and, and again, it's not. It creates some other expectations, though. It does, um, and and again, it can be very suggestive in certain things. Yeah, they have their their um, their enemies or or their main and one of their antagonists is another pair of of sisters that are actually devils. Um, who are named Scanty and Nisok. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's that's their their team rocket. That's that's their team rocket, I guess. At the end of the day, so they're they're um, they're uh, in the they're in this they're in a very similar vein as to they're demons that are on Earth to do bad things, but they're actually they're they're very good at what they do. They're 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 punctual. They're polite. They they do all the right things. Is where the angel where the angels are very kind of like. Um, rude, and they they pick yeah. their noses. They're very crass with other people, um, and it, 
so it's an interesting kind of irony of the of the way these characters are presented. So they're juxtaposed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Juxtaposed. Yeah. Again, one of the one of the weirder series I think I'd ever I, I, I wanted to kind of explain because just to describe it is, is is worth it. I think at the end of the day for so me. So I'm gonna find that on Crunchyroll as well. Yeah. Yes, it's on Crunchyroll, and I think it's actually on Netflix too. Okay. Um, I have to double check on Netflix. I. So for all these links here, when we go to put it on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com, which you should definitely be checking up on, um, I'm going to try to put links for where you can find all these different shows. Okay. Um, some of them might be behind various paywalls, um, and if they're and if they are not, I will try to put trailers up for them that okay. kind of gives you at least the general idea for that. And I, so many to so many to go through here today. Yeah, this will be a fun. This will be a fun website. This will be. If a you fun... were gonna watch any one parody, which one would it be? Oh, just one. Just one. If you were gonna choose from this entire list for for a parody that really captures the spirit of being a parody, which one would you watch? Mm, I would watch Blazing Saddles. That's a that's a that's a great send up. See, see, I would watch Blazing Saddles because it's a movie that you is because, as far as parodies go, it's about as I mean, it's about as parody as you'll ever get. It's forty five years old, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's well than forty five. I thought it was almost fifty years old at this point. I thought it was in. I thought it was 1970. It would be it would be like seventy three, seventy four. Yeah. Yeah. Almost fifty years old, um, but again, I would re- I would recommend that because it's a movie that again can't be made today. Certainly can't be broadcast on TV today at all without heavy editing. Yeah. Um, but it's absolutely a parody, and it, it, the way it devolves toward the very end is just perfect as a parody. Um, if I had to cl- pick a close second, I did. I would definitely pick Galaxy Quest because I think that's more of a parody that everybody can watch, um, especially if you're a Star Trek fan. I think I think most people understand the notion of westerns uh, for the most part, yeah. so that's why I think Blazing Saddles is a better. Option. There have been modern. There have been fairly modern westerns. I mean, you look. You look at Tombstone or. Oh, Tombstone is amazing. Tombstone's amazing, uh-huh. um, and um, you know there there have been a couple of, of fairly recent mm-hmm. modern westerns that are well done. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Unforgiven. Unforgiven is good. Um, oh, the uh, the assassination of Billy the Kid. Yeah. Um, I, I, Still, just can't get over Tombstone. I think Tombstone's just probably the quintessential uh, western of, of all of them. It is, um, but no, I, w- yeah. I would pick. I would pick Blazing Saddles. What would you pick? I would pick Galaxy Quest. I think Galaxy Quest really nails those the, those elements. Yeah, because it, it basically because um, it does because to, to give to give the basic premise, you have this this. Uh, other world which has been uh, decimated by its version of Klingons because that's got to be who that's based on right probably okay. yeah. so its version of Klingons and they have his- these historical documents that they got from Earth and the historical documents are the, the original TV show of Galaxy Quest they think Galaxy Quest is real mm-hmm and so they have modeled their spaceship and how everything behaves and how all the controls behave and what everything does, the transporter, everything, on what they saw on the historical gal- uh, documents, the Galaxy Quest show. Mm-hmm. And and then they transport the actors up there. And the actors are like, 
they're they're there mm-hmm. and and they so they end up in a position where they have to kind of embrace it and they're they're playing their roles because they can't let on that, that they're not that they're not and and, and yeah. i absolutely love that one because it works kind of almost on two different fronts because on yeah. one hand you have what is the tv show parody of that because that's very much a parody but you also have the satire element of what it of what these people were in real life because again yeah the cast of Star of Star Trek did go on a lot of, especially as various iterations came about, they went on lots of, of these fan conventions, and yep. a couple of them still just do the do a lot of fan conventions as they can because it's very yeah. hard. Because for a lot of them, it was very hard to get work outside of that. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of them, also, they just didn't need to do more work. I mean, um, so, I you, mean, you, uh, you made your you made your you little, made your money. I mean, yeah. Jonathan Franks, as an example, played uh, Riker. Uh-huh. In the in, T, in the original TNG, he was it was very hard for him to find follow up work there afterwards. Yeah, and what he ended up doing um, was he actually did a lot of voice acting. Yeah, um, he voice acted one of my favorite '90s cartoons, Gargoyles, as what as the main villain. I like Gargoyles. Yeah, um, so he did the main villain for that, and he did he's done a number of other um, voice acting as well, much in the same vein where Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill found it very difficult to find work. Um, after he was Luke Skywalker, because that's all anybody wanted to cast him in. Um, come the 90s, he actually was able to transition to being um, a voice actor and a very famous voice actor in The Joker. Yeah. So I found so I find that kind of interesting um, from that particular respect. So it's kind of interesting because you get both the parody and the satire, but they're all very lighthearted. They're not they're not malicious and they're not mean about it at all. Blazing Saddles is malicious. Blazing Saddles is definitely mean about it on certain t- at certain points. Well, it pokes some very, it, you know, it, again, it couldn't be made today. No, but it asks more interesting questions when you it finish does. watching it, it. It actually does. It's very pointed in a, a very uh, not-so-subtle way. Mm-hmm. I was going to say subtle, and it's not subtle. No, 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 no. I, I think the only thing is subtle is just its intro card. Yeah. That And, and, and the intro card being the send-up of what was classically every sort of Western sort of here are all the credits right up front, not at the end, all right up front with this homey, beautiful kind of future, you know, kind of very oh the music's just music. right, yeah. It's got this old folksy sort of feel to it, and then you get to what it actually is, and you're just like, well, that's not what was advertised. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I would recommend Blazing Saddles. You would recommend Galaxy Express. But I think if we had a uh, if you had a number two, what would you recommend? Oh gosh! Um, if you pick Galaxy Quest, I know what my number two would be. Okay, so if if my if my number one is Galaxy Quest, is my number two? My number two could be Blaze and Sounds. Quite fond of it, but mm-hmm. um, I think my number two would be um, Tropic Thunder. See, I was going to go with Airplane. Airplane's a very yeah. You know, okay, Airplane's an excellent choice. Yes. Oh, top. Um, Hot Shots. Hot Shots is another one. Hot Shots is very good. Um, Hot Fuzz, even. Yeah. I mean, even if you wanted to go with oh, some... Oh, Shaun of the Dead. Okay, Shaun no, the... no, I know what my number two is. Is Shaun of the Dead? No. Oh, Zombieland. Zombieland. Yeah, I was going to say, because again, like... Zombieland nails it. It nails exactly what a zombie movie would be, and it was just like, you know, this is about as close as you could get to what a zombie movie would... Pr- a realistic version of what a zombie movie might actually be. Yeah. Um, it would be Zombieland. There's a new movie that's coming out called uh, Love and Monsters, oh. uh, which is a take on monsters took over the world 
and all the humans basically went underground. And this one guy met this girl right before the monsters invaded. Uh-huh. And he's trying to get back to her because he loves her. And so he ventures out into the world. I don't, I haven't seen it yet because I don't, and, but it's not. So everybody's shelter in place. Very much shelter in place, but they're buried underground to try to stop from the monsters from getting them. Ah. So um, I don't know how much of a parody it is just yet. I've seen a trailer for it. It looks interesting. Okay. But I'm willing to give anything that's new and interesting a shot. Yep. Um, so we're going to list all of these, ep- all these different things that we've watched and hopefully where you can find them at as well on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com. And you can continue discussion with us as well at facebook.com forward slash nerd tutorial podcast as well. And if you have ideas for future topics or you want to see some of the topics we followed and covered in the past, you can visit us at on Twitter at nerd underscore tutorial. Um, and I'm always taking new ideas as well if you have new ideas for topics there as well. Um, and so on behalf of myself and my mom, we thank you so much for following with us here tonight. And we'll see you guys again next time. Bye. Bye.